we're back. <laughs> hey. Well, it was a nice break. Did you have a good uh, winter holiday break season? I sure did. I sure did. It was it was kind of sad not to have snow for Christmas, but uh, we have enough now. We're getting it Making really well. Um, got, we got pretty buried, but uh, yeah, everybody showed up uh, for the holidays. It was very nice. Uh, no drama, <laughs> which can happen with family. Um, nice, quiet New Year's. It was uh, just the three of us, my husband, my uh, youngest daughter, and um, yeah, it's just been really nice. And I still haven't gotten my Christmas decorations down. I have the tree up still and lit up right now because I don't know. It's just so sad in January and it just the colors and the lights make me happy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, you've got until February to take it down to be that's what I I don't know, in yeah. good standing with like better homes and gardens or something. So <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Um, good. We stayed, uh, stayed in the area for Christmas, but, uh, traveled to see my folks down South and, uh, we got our, our flight canceled because of the, that first big storm that came through. Oh, so I'm, I wake up at four 30 to catch an 8 AM flight out of Jacksonville. And I think oh. I'm still, I think I'm still recovering from all of that. So I'm, I'm tired and I'm, I'm ready to go back to bed for the past three days. So. Oh, I did that after all the kids left. I slept for like three days. I didn't get up and get, I didn't get in my pajamas. I didn't clean, didn't do anything. I'm like, I'm, I'm just overstimulated, you know? So yeah, it was nice. I went beyond that, but, but we are back and we are here to talk about everything that happened last year. Well, not everything, but a lot of the stuff that happened last year. And I see we got a, a good crowd in the, um, in the chat. Who do you all see in there? Yeah, we got, uh, thanks for joining us, y'all. We got uh, the usual suspects, Apathy Miller, Janine, Skip, Peggy with E6 Source, Mark Sliss, Adrian Mason, Kithrin, uh, who else am I, who am I missing here? I think, I think we've got Addie Tooney. Um, did I say Adrian yeah. Mason already? Green-eyed yep. lady. Thank you guys for showing up and joining us in the chat. And we'll just get the special thank you to folks who are listening on the replay. Um, here we go. What what happened in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, um, what Apathy said. What didn't happen in 2023? <laughs> it this was kind like of... This was kind of the first full, like since the pandemic, this was the first year back for a lot of legislatures where everything was happening in person, you know, access to state capitals and stuff, stuff was opened back up. Um, so we're sort of back into the flow of business as usual. Um, and as we'll get to it later, um, that is no exception for 2024. Um, we've got a busy roster at the beginning of the year and it's a shortened session for most states so things are going to happen quickly oh is it why what, what how's that work why is it a shortened session it's just the the second half of the 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 legislative session is usually abbreviated for a lot of states so you've got oh, three okay. or four months where everything is happening and it, it picks up really quick um so things are going to move fast in some states um, we already have, uh, there's a bill in Virginia that's got a meeting or a hearing scheduled for Monday. Just found out about it last night. Um, so if you live in Virginia, check your email. Uh, we've got a PMTA registry bill that we need people to get involved in. Um, and, and yeah, that's just, that's how it goes. The, the odd number years are sort of normal and they take their time. And then the even numbered years, uh, things get 
kind of condensed and, and happened quickly. So. Did you want to do a little uh, legislative thing and talk about that? Maybe, um, maybe explaining the, um, trying to find the, the bumper for that, but the, um, what the PMTA thing is, you know, maybe we could do that. Yeah, sure. So well, I think it's, by now some people have probably Very <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm like, oh, I hit it. You started talking. <laughs> That's usually Logan's job. Interesting. Um, so by now, I, I think some people are probably uh, have probably heard about the bill that passed in Oklahoma. Um, I think that passed this year. Uh, the effort going into 2023, 21. of course, was was to uh, uh, was it. Did it pass last year in 2022? 2021. Uh, when I read, well, according to uh, Jim's article, it was 2021. It passed and it kept getting postponed. The advocates managed to keep right. postponing it. And then earlier this year, he said a couple months ago is when it actually like kicked in. Took effect. Okay. So the law took effect this year. It was originally postponed. We got involved with that and, and got our members to, to write their lawmakers. It was successfully delayed a year. Uh, and this is what we have come to know as a PMTA registry bill, where the state is now requiring manufacturers to uh, register their products if they have been granted marketing orders from the FDA. So if you've gone through the PMTA process, you've gotten your marketing orders, you then register with the state and you're allowed to sell in that state. And uh, of course, you know, state authorities can use that to inspect vape shops and say, you know, okay, this product is legal, this product is not, uh, issue fines require things to be taken off of shelves and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how it's working in practice in Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been pretty hands off when it came when it comes to, to regulating vapor products until this bill happened. Um, and so this particular legislation is what we're most concerned about this year. Um, folks in Florida have, have received emails from us and, and the Florida State, uh, Florida's Smoke-Free Association uh, is also getting their members involved. Uh, the Attorney General Ashley Moody is promoting one of these PMTA registry bills in Florida. And essentially it's gonna wipe out, you know, 80, 90% of products that are on vape store shelves uh, and I, I don't know that vape shops are going to be able to survive this. Um, and so the other, the, the sort of, you know, the, the, the dirtier side of this is that this is being promoted by a tobacco company. Um, and uh, it doesn't, it, it's, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and so um, it, it's, it's very clearly, you know, it, there's a sort of a two prong thing here. It makes them look good to FDA, like they're taking the initiative and picking up enforcement where FDA is not able to do enforcement, at, you know, rigorously at the state level. It also corners the market for them. It it, it gets out all the compet call the competition, and now you're left with buying their underwhelming products that are outdated. And people stopped buying, you know, a long time ago. But that's what that's what's available in convenience stores. Um, right. So, well, um, I did only, see. I, I will. I will tell you, Addy. It's only one of those companies that's promoting this. The other one, which is earlier on in the alphabet, 
has actually been vital in providing information about where these bills are popping up because they don't support it either. Um, so there is there's a rift between the big tobacco companies as far as um, what uh, what is the appropriate policy. And one thing that we all agree on is that the PMTA process is not being implemented fairly. It, it, the FDA is not really following the science. They're not even following their own rules. They're barely adhering to what Congress is asking them to do. And so it just doesn't make sense for states to now carry water for FDA and start enforcing a broken regulation. Um, so there's that. And we got a, I got a whole list of states to do. But in a nutshell, that's the big... Uh, that's the big policy push that we're we're following this year, and we got a bunch of states that we've already seen this pop up. And you you did give me some links that because I did have some members reach out to us um, via our social media, and um, they uh, we'll get to that in just a sec. Um, and they do a lot of these states have a registry page with all of the companies who are your which with the brands you're able to sell if you own a vape shop or whatever, you could probably hunt down those brands and offer those in your vape shop. I, I honestly, I think it was the Oklahoma one that I looked at. I didn't recognize any of the names on there at all. I was like, but the, those are apparently all the companies that have PMTAs filed, but they don't have, obviously they have not haven't had a um, authorization. Um, but they also, the, the trick is, is that these companies now have to file with each state that comes up with this, this that passes this bill, right? They each, so each of these companies, it can't just be like, oh yeah, we're on there, we're fine, we can just keep sending it there. No, you have to register with the state too, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, right, Alex? And we don't right. know which yeah. state. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like, it'll be like, you know, paying taxes or whatever. Yeah, you have to register state by state. And and yes, it is, it's it's not everything, but it, it'll be, you know, products that don't have at least some sort of, I'm, I call it a provisional authorization. So if you have your application in, you can continue selling, or if there's perhaps uh, uh, some stay uh, issued by a court for a marketing denial order, you can still sell. Um, so it gets complicated and I don't have a running list of all of the, the manufacturers that are allowed to go, but probably, yeah, I, I haven't, I, I haven't looked at Oklahoma's list yet, but that's, that's probably what, yeah, that, that's what we expect to see in, in all these states. And, and yeah, to answer, um, Kithrin's, uh, question about where we expect to see these, I can tell you already, um, so Florida, as I mentioned, has one of these, and that's uh, that's being pushed around. Um, let's see, uh, New Jersey, I think. No, that's a different. Um, that's different, not New Jersey. Uh, but we do expect to see one. one. There is, I think, one in New Jersey. Um, Vermont, we expect to see one. Uh, HB seven twenty nine in Vermont. Vermont also has the flavor ban going on. Uh, Virginia SB five fifty. There's also a house bill. Um, I think there's a few sort of companion bills for Virginia. Um, SB 550 is the one that has the hearing on Monday. Um, let's see. Uh, there's also another, there's a tax bill in Virginia. Um, and then SB 6118 in Washington state. Uh, the rest, we're looking at possibly Connecticut, Montana, or is that Michigan? I can't read my own right. I think that's a Montana, um, Minnesota, 
Colorado, we're looking for one. Uh, New Mexico, we see the one in Washington, Oregon, and Ohio. Um, so that's that's the the list of states where we expect to see these. There is one in Kansas. I've been trying to find the details on that. We have that someone sent us the text, but there's no bill number, so I haven't been able to track it yet. Uh, if you're in Kansas and you know the bill number, let us know. Um, but uh, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna break out like wildfire this year. And they, I, I know that uh, so Oklahoma, we know for sure passed Texas. I think passed this one already too. If I remember correctly, I'm not um, sure. I remember some. I think I think we heard from somebody from Texas, and then, but I'll have to double check that. But can you remember who all passed it already? Because I know for sure at Oklahoma did. There's a few states. There's like maybe three or four states that have already passed it and implemented it. But what is the other one? There's another one that people. <laughs> Arkansas was it like Arkansas or something like that, or um, maybe Alabama? Louisiana? I know Alabama's been kind of weird on some of these. Yeah. So yeah, yeah and it, one of course one. it's you know targeting states that have been you know fairly uh, fairly liberal when it comes to to allowing these products on the market. Um, but uh, you know it, it seems reasonable. It, yeah, and it's coming <laughs> from a company that manages to to pump a lot of money into politics. So um, that's 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 just how politics works. Apparently, if you can afford it, you can get it passed. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't have I don't have a running list of where it all has been passed. But Oklahoma, obviously, I think is sort of the, the furthest along in terms of having up having a website up a Web page up where you can see what is authorized for sale in, in that state. Um, so. And, yeah. and next, I think next week or the week after I'm going to be working on <clears throat> updating all the state pages. So hopefully we'll have those all this if you're wondering if your state has it check back maybe at the end of the month and that'll be all updated and you'll know if your state either uh, uh dj says that yeah. uh louisiana, it was louisiana that was the one i rem i was remembering i knew it started with an l <laughs> a or an l um yeah so uh so check back you can check your state page on our website probably closer to the end of the month and we should have that all updated in case you're wondering um if your yeah. state has done this yet or not so. Yeah. Okay. So that's the, that's the big deal legislatively going forward. Um, I uh, I went down the list of states. I, it doesn't when I start throwing bill numbers around. I'm sure everybody's eyes glaze over. Just know <laughs> that if I if I sounded out your state, uh, they're coming. So um, we'll 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 do our best to stay on top of it this year and get everybody alerted and and give you the prompt to to get engaged and, and contact lawmakers and. You know, again, this is one of those things that seems sort of common sense, I think, to lawmakers is, you know, they want right. we want a legal regulated marketplace. And, you know, there are people out there who are taking advantage of you know, the vacuum in enforcement. Um, but it's 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 really it's it's not healthy. It's not fair to lump in, you know, people who've been doing this and. System proper, maybe pod systems and uh, and they're selling through responsible retailers and, and they're helping people quit smoking. And unfortunately, because of a lack of imagination or appreciation for nuance in state legislatures, all of these products get swept right. up with the bad actors and people lose access to products that are helping them quit smoking. 
Um, and of course, there's always, you know, the big business element of this is that they don't want the competition. So they can use policy to thin the market out and protect their profits. And state lawmakers are sort of complicit in, once again, handing all of this over to incumbent tobacco companies. That's my rant. Yeah. And, well, and, and just and just the, the idea that as soon as you ban stuff, which is essentially this is sort of a back backdoor ban, I guess you'd say, that as soon as you do that, the, the only people who are going to stop selling are people who obey the law. Right. You know, they're going to be the good people who are probably weren't doing weird shortcuts or something like that with their, you know, with their devices or their e-liquid or whatever. Not that I think that's rampant either way, but I mean, the people who are most likely to be trying to do the best to do the healthiest and most honest thing are going to pull their stuff from the market because they're going to obey the law and you're still going to have all the black market stuff. So it, it doesn't solve the problem that they think they're trying to solve. <laughs> you know, it does the exact opposite. It takes a lot of the worst companies or but a lot of the best companies out, out of the game. And, and that's, yeah. that's, that's horrible. And, you know, the other thing that's the real, the, the inconvenient truth here is that, um, you know, we, we of course note that, you know, kids buying this through informal, buying these products through informal sources is, is its own sort of level of danger and risk. But at the same time, nationally, youth smoking is below 5%, which means, and I don't know that this is, this isn't new for this year. Um, I, I know that it, it, we've dropped from like 6% youth smoking down to like 2%. We are actually looking at the first smoke-free generation in the United States. Mm -hmm. That is, it, it is defined as smoking prevalence below 5% means it's no longer an epidemic proportion. So, you know, it, it, young people understand that smoking is bad for them. They don't want to do it anymore. Smoking is not fashionable, even though, I mean, even New York Times has sort of uh, run Try articles showing <laughs> that like smoking's coming back and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's really not. And, and people are using vapor products instead, even, you know, especially young kids and and i mean young people and they're not smoking they're not they for for kids who have a lot of those sort of comorbidities or other risk factors who choose to vape or use a smoke-free nicotine product instead of cigarettes that's a that's a plus even if they're nicotine naive if they were at risk of starting smoking and they use a, a smoke-free product the outcomes are going to be better even the other thing that I, I think, you know, I don't know if you've seen this in the research that you're going to be talking about, but there was, <clears throat> I think there has been some research showing, at least among adults, people who vape regularly are more likely to, to quit smoking. And also, we're more likely to quit, we are, it's more possible if we so choose to quit nicotine altogether, if we are using smoke-free products. Yeah. So it, it's, I understand that all of this is scary for a lot of people, you know, kids using drugs is a very concerning thing. I was a kid who used drugs. So, you know, I, I, I know what I put my parents through. I don't want to dismiss parents' concerns about all of this, but the, the good news is that with vaping and other smoke-free nicotine products, young people are in a much better mm -hmm. position to make decisions about the drugs that they use going forward. And that includes quitting them altogether if they choose. So. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the greatest uh, threat is the tobacco controls obsolescence. I mean, because you just, you see it all the time where they're, they're, they've gotten 
smoking down below 5%. So they had to move the goalposts and say, oh, no, no, no. We need to make sure they're not vaping either. You know, all of this tobacco use now needs to be, any tobacco or nicotine use now needs to be, I think New York uh, Department of Health said we need to end all youth use of e-cigarettes. And it was completely, it's a, that's a completely unrealistic goal. And they know that. And and when 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 teens are, or anybody's still smoking to be talking about ending e-cigarette use, and they just blow everything out of proportion. And they do things like like the tweet that we put up um, a couple days ago talking about how they'll say things like, well, the percentage of youth who vape are much more than adults. So this vaping doesn't even help adults. You know, until you look at the yeah, numbers and see that, see that it's, a, you know, over 11 million, million adults and about 2 million youth. That's high school and middle school combined. And that 38 million are smoking some kind of combustible product, whereas I think it was 970,000 middle and high school smoke some kind of combustible product. I mean, just the, the, the danger is with adults and they're just trying to downplay that so much and, and still keep doing this whole, even with being under 5%, it's still, because I think it's 2.8 right now for high school. Um, even with that, I'm like, even with that, they're still talking about an epidemic, a vaping epidemic, and, and it's it's never good enough. It's not good enough. This is yeah. our work's not done, Alex. Our work's not done. We have to I mean, we have to end it all, Alex. That's that's I mean that's it's it's very clearly it's just a fundamental dishonesty. Anybody who's out there talking about a youth vaping epidemic is either they they haven't read the recent data or they are just intentionally using buzzwords that they know are gonna get some sort of emotional response. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have a youth vaping epidemic. Um, I, I put myself in the camp of many people who say we never really did. Uh, youth experimentation of a new drug product is to be expected, especially something that involves technology and it, it, it peaked and it, and it went away. Um, and, and I know that the lung injury cases in 2019 probably had a lot to do with that. Um, unfortunately, you know, it was the dishonesty of agencies like the CDC um, and, and all of these anti-smoking groups that I think drove that fear, also drove curiosity in the products. Um, and, you know, again, the younger generations are more conscious of things like the environment, money, all of those mm -hmm. things. And so they're making decisions based on on those uh, uh, on those things, and uh, and you know adding nicotine or other drugs or other things to your 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 shopping list is is not something I think that kids want to prioritize much anymore. Um, so there's there's a bunch of factors at work here, and uh, it's you know the, the the antis are really just throwing you know emotionally charged bumper sticker slogans at legislatures and they they don't yeah. care whether or not the the information is accurate they just want to prove a point and win um which is yeah. and, and you know and to that end um we that you know that's and that's what we dealt with a lot last year was just a lot of horrible articles like that a lot of horrible um studies coming out just claiming this that and the other thing but we did have and i will pull this up um I'm just going to segue if that's okay. Um, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here and say, I'm disappointed. I don't have a bumper for science that I can interrupt you with, but. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Um, it's okay. 
I hit the button and then you start talking. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm just going to go through this real quick because it's, it's it, your eyes are going to glaze over otherwise. But I want people to realize how much good stuff is out there. And I'm going to make sure that uh, that Danielle has this list too because there, there was a lot of good studies we had that came out last year. We had um, four papers that showed the adverse effects of anti-tobacco and anti-vaping policies, meaning like if you do flavor bans, kids will smoke. If you do flavor bans, adults will smoke, you know, things, if you raise taxes, it's going to increase smoking, you know, things like that. So four papers came out just last year with that. Uh, five papers were countering the gateway claims and concerns. I mean, five papers. Can we put that to bed yet? <laughs> five papers said there is no gateway to smoking uh, from vaping. Five papers showed that uh, the efficacy for quitting smoking was as good or greater than NRT. Uh, and two, two separate studies showed there was this phenomenon called accidental quitting, which I'm one of those um, people who just didn't even attend to quit. There were three papers um, on flavors showing either that they benefit adults and help them quit, uh, like adults do vape uh, flavors, like that one uh, Altoona um, prevention specialist said, there's just no, I, I refuse to believe that there's a 50 year old marble red smoker who out there who would want a mango vape you know it's like well you're wrong lady sorry um, so papers we have papers we could show her um plus our obviously our, our um, testimonials six papers that demonstrated how vaping was significantly safer than smoking in various ways four papers addressing or debunking myths about nicotine um or giving more information and then of course, there's the update, updated CDC reports last year that came out for that showed us that youth uh, smoking and vaping went down again. They only had one little classification, which was uh, middle school smoking ticked up slightly and so slight that it could just be counted as a normal variance of, you know, what you expect. Rounding to kind of error. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so. We had that showing that that uh, more adults were vaping, less fewer adults were smoking, uh, and for youth overall, overall tobacco use across the board was down with record low smoking rates. And then, of course, we had two anti-vaping papers that were retracted. Um, so here we just have the the different um, ones that cover regulation and policy, uh, unintended. Intended and unintended effects of e-cigarette taxes on youth tobacco use. So that was talking about how taxes make kids smoke. The more you make it expensive, if you make it too expensive for kids, you're making it more expensive for adults too. There's just no way around that. This whole idea that that kids live in a bubble that don't affect adults is just ridiculous. Um, how flavor restrictions affect tobacco product sales. Again, this this came back that this is not good. You guys, when you do flavor restrictions, more people smoke. Um, and, and people don't quit smoking, that you don't get the results you think you're going to get. Um, the Brown University one that talks about, um, that one was not really a study, it's more of a paper that they came out and said, hey, we need to we need to do this tobacco harm reduction stuff. We need to come together as tobacco control and, um, and do this. And I will put these links in the um, description below afterwards. So, and then um, the last one was the, uh, can't read this with um, the slide thing in the way. Um, challenges in communicating the benefits of switching from cigarettes to e-cigarettes, uh, eight focus groups. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that one was about. I can't remember. Um, but it was another thing that showed that it's, if I remember correctly, it was one that, again, showed that 
you have to communicate. I think this one was one where they uh, talked about how teens messaging to teens need to be laser focused. You know, that can remember that with the, with the, they did the whole epidemic thing, but it was something like that where it's not, it was, yeah, it wasn't that exact one, but it's kind of the same thing. They were saying, Hey, we need to be careful with this messaging because it is leaking through to adults. You know, it, it, it's not, it's, you know, they're not in a bubble. Um, and here with some starting with the gateway effect, basically let's see the, um, I should have put in which were these were all, and none of these are industry studies. They all come from like an NIH and FDA and, you know, they're all, uh, funded by them. So these are all good, solid things that they can't get poo-pooed away because, oh, Jewel made that one or whatever, you know? So, <clears throat> um, Vaping in adolescence may have little effect on subsequent cigarette smoking, gateway or common liability. That common liability, if you don't know, you guys, it's basically that kids who would have smoked would probably be most likely to vape and vice versa. It's, you know, they might be more likely to drink. They might be more likely to drive fast. They're, 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 they're generally more risk takers and, and things like that. But anybody who, you know, we already know that kids whose parents either smoke or vape are already at a higher risk of doing that. So I, common I, I would add, I, I did want to add to the, the sort of gateway or common liability thing. I think uh, her name is Andrea Volante. Um, and uh, I think she's up here at, at UVM uh, in Vermont uh, at the moment, but she's done a lot of research on this and has done several, uh, more than one study. She may have been involved in this one, um, looking at this, looking at poly use as opposed to gateway, meaning that, uh, you know, young people are going to experiment with one substance. It makes sense that, you know, other substances are going to be around. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. not that we, you know, choose a low risk product and progress to something more risky. It's that right. if you're smoking, as you were saying, you're also, there's also likely to be alcohol around, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, whatever. If those are the people that you're hanging out with, or if that's the scene you're getting involved in, then you're going to try a bunch of things. That's been for a lot of us. That was our experience. It wasn't that you're we already that kind of kid. More risky stuff. <laughs> you know, anybody who's What's got that? kids knows you're that kind yeah. of kid. You know, you anybody who has kids or has had teenagers know you've got the. You know, my older kids were trying everything. My youngest, she doesn't try anything. So you know, she's just that's not her thing. You know, she's she's addicted to YouTube. You know, not she would never be a substance user. So you know, it's it, it, so it's. Kids are that kids will do it or they won't do it. You know, there's some kids who will never try certain things. There's some kids who are very religious and other kids who aren't. You know, it's going to make a difference. Um, and I'm, oh, I'm trying to get this to go. Why is this not? There it goes. Um, effects of reduced risk nicotine delivery products. This one, another observational study. Um, again, these studies all. And then the one down here, dramatic reductions in cigarette smoking prevalence among high school, unlikely to have been, has been spelled that way, undermined, I copied that from the study, so they spelled it B-E-N-N, -N. <laughs> I copied and pasted that, um, undermined by easier. So that is also, you know, when Stanton Glantz always said, oh, the decline in smoking was hampered by kids starting to vape. That's, this one here is saying, uh, no, no, it wasn't. Um, and then... Uh, obviously, the latest Cochrane report, the review on smoking cessation just came out again, showing once again that it's better than NRT and it's still safe. And I think they added it. They're going to have up to like 88 studies now on certain things. So 
they just keep adding and adding and adding to the, their body of uh, evidence. And for for things like you know Australia and America and Canada, um, and now even scarily, um, England is teetering on almost following us instead of us following them. It's like no. Um, they should be reading the Cochrane report, you know, but they just ignore it, you know. And you've got certain people who are just such zealous that they're like, "Oh, that's that's not the golden standard." I don't know what you're talking about, you know. It's like, whatever to hear. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you know, here saying e-cigarettes should be recommended more for smoking cessation, uh, comparing the effectiveness, tolerability, acceptability of heated tobacco products and refillable electronic cigarettes for cigarette substitution. Again, this all started because it was supposed to be an alternative, not a way to quit all nicotine. Um, we just recently saw something came out again the other day that, well, they tried to sell us that, you know, sell us that this was a, a thing to for smoking cessation and, and and not a recreational product. It's like, no, from day one, I can show you, I can show you articles from 2009 where we're saying this is an alternative, not smoking cessation. Cause we couldn't say it was smoking cessation. Well, we could, that's why we got formed, but uh, um, and heat not burn, you know, we got that really, that was a great article from Filter just came out about how Japan's doing with the heat not burn, which is great. Um, and here's another one, vaping, more effective than NRT. Uh, vaping works in the real world and can cause accidental quitting. Those, you know, that's, it's, vaping works in the real world. That's because all of a sudden they kept, they kept telling us, oh, you need clinical trials, you need clinical trials. And then they got clinical trials and they said, well, that doesn't reflect the real world. <laughs> It's like you can't win with these people. So it's yeah. like, they let me do a study. Okay, let's look at the real world. You know, it's it's it's, not, it's just the mindset is crazy. Um, and here again, flavors help with uh, quitting. Adults who quit prefer vaping flavors. Um, friends, family, and friends. And this bottom was was actually adolescents. It says family, friends, and friends are identified as major influence in e-cigarette use. Flavors was not at the top of the list. You know, so. So much for the it's the flavors that hook kids you know it's uh all the studies that came out that showed safer than smoking a, a study came out and talked about how wheezing proved that 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 kids were having early lung damage because of this well here's a study that shows that there was no wheezing that they could find and even that study that did come out showed if you look read it carefully the kids who were smoking had the most wheezing <laughs> so smoking and vaping um also i, again, I will add can i add something to yeah, that yeah yeah um, I, this was brought up in a committee hearing. I, I, I want to say it was Iowa. Um, I could be wrong about um, which state it was in, but uh, something flashed really quickly last year. And um, there was a, 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 uh, one of the members of the committee, but he was a high school coach. And he remembered, you know, recall back in the day when everybody was smoking and he could, you know, he would, you know, walk in the locker room and catch students with cigarettes or whatever. And, you know, noticeably their performance was not as great as other students who were not smoking. And then fast forward 10 years and now vaping is the thing. And he knows that there are, are athletes who are vaping, but he's not seeing a decline in their performance. And hmm. you know, that's not an endorsement for kids to pick this no, stuff no, up. No, no, not at all. More of you know, what are the real health consequences here? And exactly. it's, it's, it's not lung damage. That's a, that's a good anecdotal story. Um, and even this one below it was actually billed as a bad news thing, you know, oh my God, vaping affects the heart. Oh my God, you know, smoking. And what, but when you 
dug down into it, what you really found out was that they ultimately showed that those who switched to vaping had a significantly lower adverse results than those who smoked. And also previous smoking was a significant factor. If they were vapors who had those risks, they had previous smoking. So they basically, you know, and of course their, their way of getting around is say, well, vaping's billed as being perfectly safe. So this just proves it's not perfectly safe, which is a lie. Nobody bills it as being perfectly safe. Uh, you know, so <laughs> what, what is that called? A straw man argument when you're arguing something that the other person didn't even say, you know, like you create your own situation and then you argue that situation and the person's left standard going, but we never said that, you know, and that's exactly what that uh, is. Yeah. Um, but um, let's see, this one had, uh, and this one just turns around and said that uh, compared with cigarette smoke, e-cigarettes had significantly fewer negative effects on most of the indicators which focused on in the study. In some cases, vaping was comparable to the control group, which was never smokers. Um, and again, this was uh, ca cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, and renal systems. Again, it's in mice, but, you know, hey, they use mice to prove that it's bad, so we can use mice to prove that it's not, I guess. But, of course, you take that with a grain of salt because what... Mice does not translate to humans all, you know. And then there were two for pregnant women. This one talked about how, um, I'm trying to remember, this one I think was, it was safer and more effective that they they tended to be quit during pregnancy if they started on e-cigarettes ahead of time. I believe that one was. Um, and, and then this one showed that they were able to stay abstinent from smoking longer if they were vaping. I think these both came out of, England, because I don't think they'd even look at that in the U.S. because, oh, God, no, pregnant ladies. Um, this one was kind of a funny one. I think this was the Daily Mail or somebody. This came out of, like, Turkey, I want to say. And they were, oh, my God, vaping, you know, ruins your sperm count, you know. And just basically they just made this sexual connotation in the article about it um, and about how horrible it was for your sperm. And, uh, again, it was in rats. And, actually, when you looked at it closely, this, the rats with, um, wait, this is not right. Yeah, okay, this, the rats who had cigarette smoke exposure, theirs was reduced by 9.6%, whereas the vaping exposed rats only were 3.5% lower. So it was lower, but significantly not, it, it didn't kill off as many sperm, let's put it that way. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> and then even smoking was also worse for size too um i mean i feel i feel like the world generally could benefit from at least a three and a half percent lower sperm count so you know <laughs> probably a good thing yeah it's not bad um and then a bunch of stuff came out about nicotine um the top one is talking about they, they've talked about how wrong physicians get it i mean like it was like 86 percent of physicians thought that that um strongly agreed with the statement that uh, nicotine caused cardiovascular disease, cancer, you know, stuff like that. And um, they're talking about how this is just a horrible thing and, and we need to somehow figure out how to how to inform them properly so they're properly informing their um, patients about less risky options. Um, I mean, because if you thought that, why would you even prescribe nicotine gum? Right. You know, I mean, it does. It, it does logic. Um, and, and that's so, something that that FDA has been lamenting for years. And the FDA yeah. is aware of this, that that it's like 60 percent or more of, of clinicians think that nicotine causes cancer. And that means that they're not even providing 
nicotine oh, replacement man. therapy as an option to their patients. So That's yeah, crazy. this is, it's a big deal. Uh, the mind study, this was really interesting. This, uh, um, they're testing that potential benefits of nicotine therapy in improving memory and functioning and a lot in older adults. Um, and if you go to the mind study uh, website, it stresses, you know, in bold letters that nicotine does not cause cancer, heart disease, or respiratory illness. <laughs> so here's people who, you know, are studying health and has nothing to do with vaping or smoking or any of that. They're trying to test the benefits of nicotine. They're trying to tell people, look, you got it wrong. And then another really interesting one that came out this year was uh, nicotine treatment and aiding long COVID sufferers, which it was a small study, but it, it's kind of interesting that, that they um, were doing that, especially because during that time period, they were saying how vaping, you know, was making it worse and stuff. So right. um, total lie. yeah, exactly. And here's one that really fascinated me. And I'm surprised it didn't come, it didn't catch more attention was because it said that uh, this was in Australia, but still, um, but I think it was an Australian study, but I think they looked at studies of the U.S. and Canada and Australia, if I remember correctly. And yeah, four countries. It might have been the U.K. too then. Um, and, uh, you know, we always hear over and over again, 70% of smokers want to quit. 70% you know, want to quit. And we just kind of take that for granted. You know, we just kind of accept that as truth. And they just asked these people and they, but I think it was 50 seven percent so it's close to 60 percent of the people said no nah, i don't i don't want to give up nicotine <laughs> and that was really interesting and if you go in and read the study it just the numbers are just not what you would expect as far as you know you always hear i want to quit i want to quit now you know i always i used to always say yeah i want to quit but did i really want to quit i liked smoking i really did which is why yeah. i vape now and didn't quit <laughs> you know and then of course the different vaping rates this was the cdc report and the uh, national youth data came out proving that you know all's well <laughs> in tobacco world and control world um and then these two were retracted the one that linked uh liver disease to vaping and then the one that linked vaping to cancer we had two retractions this year which was uh was quite nice. So um, we need more of those of some of those. Uh, we did have one, one odd one where it was, they retracted a uh, a vaping study, and it was it for no reason. Um, they're fighting that, I guess. It was a good vape study, and they just said, "Oh, you didn't say something or something," and they didn't even give them a chance to fix it or anything. They just retracted it, which you, they wouldn't have done with these two. They would have fought retracting these two. You know that. So um that's that uh on the while we're still lightly on studies i, I will say yeah. that um danielle and myself and annie with a with a lot of assistance from annie clay camp are still working on getting something published uh in the way of um uh, really changing the language and and hopefully changing the way that um you know the research and medical communities view people who smoke and people who use nicotine um, to be more, of course, person first and uh, in, in really making the argument that, you know, for all of the changes that we've seen with harm reduction for, for drugs, um, that those same, those, those humanizing changes need to happen with tobacco. Uh, and, and I think that also sort of fits in with efforts to educate clinicians about your doctors about uh, the, the relative risk of nicotine. Uh, and, and of course, how to, to better um, care for their patients. So 
Yeah, no, that makes that's, sense. That's ongoing. And of course, we're, we're going through that process of submitting a paper and there's a peer review and we've gotten some good feedback. We've gotten some useless feedback, um, <laughs> and, but we, we persist nonetheless. Looking forward to seeing that though. Yeah. Um, well, in, in the, I, I guess in the, the closing minutes here, um, I, I do want to talk about, I guess, a couple of legislative victories. Um, a lot of what we had, if I can switch back to that, is that okay? No, that's fine. Can I swing through the, uh, the Kassai? Oh yeah, that's right. Stuff? More stuff. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't sure if you wanted to alternate or if you wanted, if you want to end things up, I will go through this real quick and then let you finish things up. Well, mine's boring and really brief, so I'll do it really quickly because I think oh. yours is more exciting. Um, the, uh, uh, the the victories that we had last year were a lot of um, getting preemption, state preemption of local tobacco ordinances um, passed. And we had that we had a victory in South Carolina. Um, Ohio is ongoing. There was a veto override that passed the House, and now right now it's in the Senate. So if you're in Ohio, you're a CASA member. Check your inbox. You uh, should have an email from us. Um, actually, I think I still need to send that out. Um, but our, check our, our website. We've updated our call to action. We're sending messages to the Senate. Uh, get your senators on board. Uh, they need to override the governor's veto so that state preemption of tobacco regulations goes into effect. Um, and that will, you know, where we're trying to get this done, um, that will prevent municipalities from enacting their own ordinances, which often go above and beyond the state. Uh, and of course, that's all about getting a certain percentage of the population underneath these policies. Then they take it up to the state level and they say, well, we need a state law for it. They create a bunch of chaos at the municipal level and then they 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 create a need for some sort of. So I know that preemption. Um, but when it comes to something like this, it really does need to be, you know, the, the, the rules need to be enforced at the, the highest level of government. Um, so just to clarify um, that for people, because I know, I know people get confused because it sounds like overriding a veto would be a bad thing, but basically the governor's vetoing it, but they, they're trying to stop the, 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 the Senate and House are trying, the bill is trying to stop the local governments from doing this. The governor said, nope, you can't do that. Well, then they came back and said, well, we're not listening to you. We're still going to do it. So they're overriding his veto. So they're not trying to veto. <clears throat> it almost right. seems backwards. It's hard to understand, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the, it's the, one of the few times we actually get to encourage lawmakers to vote yes on something. So vote yes to override the veto uh, in Ohio. I'm not going to count our chickens before they're hatched, but um, hopefully things are looking good. Unfortunately, this means that January 1st, um, cities like Columbus had their, uh, I think it was a flavor ban ordinance take effect. Yeah. So um, the faster this gets done, the better it is for, for small businesses in, in Ohio cities. Uh, and of course, the, the better it is for consumers in Ohio. Um, so um, those are kind of the big ones. I, I feel like there were some other things that were stopped <coughs> along the way. Uh, I mentioned something in Iowa, I think that concluded successfully, um, but those were sort of the big legislative victories that we had. It, it's hard to, you know, a lot of the states that were going to pass flavor bans have already done it. Um, oh, I do. It, there was one thing uh, I, I tried to find it before we came on, but this sort of fits in the research uh, conversation. Uh, there was something I, I saw flash by in, in the emails. Uh, a recent study looked at um, people who smoke menthol 
and uh, they uh, they a lot of them switched to menthol or mint flavored vapor products. Uh, and as we go forward, we're expecting FDA's menthol rule in the spring of this year. Um, and it's not, you know, CASA isn't going to go to the mat to protect menthol cigarettes. But in everybody's conversations with friends, family and lawmakers, one of the most important points we can make is if you're going to ban menthol, which is arguably a bad idea, these yeah. we need more mint and flavored vapor products for people to transition to. Uh, and this has been shown to be a, one of the more successful routes for people. Um, and, and so it, it, you can't take away one product without giving folks viable alternatives. Um, and, and so if they're not going to uh, authorize more products or at the state level allow for these products to continue being mm -hmm. sold, then they shouldn't be banning menthol because it's sending people to illicit markets. It's not achieving the smoking reduction rates that they want to believe are happening. Uh, and <laughs> most people just end up continuing smoking. So, um, yeah, but I think that, so that study, I think important. I just, yeah, I think I just saw something like that too, that showed that <clears throat> the people who were the, where there was a flavor ban, that they actually, most of them just went to regular smoking, went to regular right. flavored cigarettes. Um, some of them even didn't bother going to like menthol flavored e-cigs. They went to tobacco flavored e-cig. It, it just wasn't doing what they thought it was going to do, you know, right. it, it wasn't helping them quit. So really quick, I'm just going to say, um, yeah, I'm at apathy. I'm going to be, is there, he asked if there's a place that all these links are listed <clears throat> by Monday, Monday, I should be adding them all to the description down below. So, um, those will all be available to you and probably they'll be added if, if, uh, they're not already on our website, cause Danielle usually adds them to our research sections. Um, they, they will be up there soon enough. I will get this list to her and so she can cross check and see she's got all of them too. So. Um, the final thing that we were going to do, um, because we went through this before, I got in the wrong thing. We need a bumper action. for in action. I do. I do. We need to, poor, poor Danielle, she didn't make us all these bumpers. Um, we don't do these very often, so it's just a year in review. Um, I thought it'd be fun to to kind of look at it, it. It's hard to know everything that Casa is doing behind the scenes and what we're doing here, there, and everywhere. And a lot of people think, oh, they just post stuff on social media when Alex is busy trying to track down all these bills and trying to figure out, you know, talking to all these different uh, advocacy groups and these all these different states to try to coordinate with them and to get the proper kind of call to action and to not counter stuff, you know, not have our members doing stuff that they don't want to have them start doing yet and all the timing and everything, all that's going on behind the scenes. And you guys don't see that stuff. And Alex is very, very busy with that all the time. Um, <clears throat> we get the newsletters out along, you know, the, the blog posts and everything else, you know, and there is a reason why the social media stuff is there. It, it, they're really well thought out. I don't just, just take every story and just reshare it, you know? Um, but, uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Skip's there too. Um, but, uh, uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is Alex, we're just sending them all over the place. <laughs> you know, we're sending them here, there, and everywhere. Um, and that's why well, he's tired to be of fair, it. I, I, it's not all over the place. I, I attended no. a couple of conferences last year. Um, and I am, of course, available for travel. That's why Kasa gave me, hired me for this position so that I am available <laughs> to do these things. Um, and I right. do get calls uh, for media stuff. And But this, yeah, the TPA panel... Um, just so people understand, this was in Washington, D.C. It was after 
uh, I believe it was following e-cigarette summit. Um, and, uh, or was it, uh, May? yeah, it was, it was e-cigarette May. summit. Yeah. Um, I and, uh, I didn't and put these in order. Was, I just, these these types of panels, these types of events are things where Hill staffers are invited to come attend. You may even get lawmakers who show up. You've got think tank people. You've got staff for 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 Congress, members of Congress. Uh, and and we are able to present, you know, the other side, the side of this issue that people are not hearing in the media. They're not getting this in their local newspapers. And so when when the staff of policymakers and policymakers themselves and other think tank people show up at these events, we get an opportunity to educate them. And this is a fantastic mm -hmm. panel. Mark Sliss, Skip Murray, and myself moderated with by Lindsey Stroud. Uh, I think Lindsey moderated our section or was um, the, the fellow from the Taxpayers Protection Alliance whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, but uh, it, it, it was a good event and, and always happy to participate in these things. Yep. And so that was, yeah, I think that was March. And then you also did, I had never heard of this guy. This, is it, is it spelled coop or coup or sound? Coup. Or, it's coup save America. It is coup save America. Okay. Um, it was, this is, I had never heard of this guy. Uh, it hasn't gotten a lot of views, but it was a really interesting, uh, uh, podcast and, and you talked about some interesting stuff. So, but I thought it was neat that he, uh, had invited, uh, Alex and Kasa on to discuss yep. things, the politics of vaping. It was good. And, you know, according to him, a lot of his viewership leaned more to the left. And so it was good to, you know, expose his audience to these to this conversation. Uh, they probably don't get a lot of it. Um, he, I think he himself had, had, has quit smoking by switching to vaping. Uh, so something very important to him. Um, so, yeah, great opportunity to speak to his audience. We need more Democrats to quit smoking and vaping. And this I, is a I, ridiculous I, picture. But. <laughs> Sorry, it was a still from a video. <laughs> and he was saying, he said, there's four things. He was making a point, and now Alex is saying he's throwing down gang signs or something. <laughs> but tell us what was going on with this one. This was, you were at the uh, e-cigarette summit. I was at the e-cigarette summit. I gave an interview um, for a, 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 I'm not going to try to pronounce that name, a Swedish THR online magazine. Uh, a lot of it had to do with, with snus. Um, and, and of course, THR, the state of THR in the United States. Um, so that was, it was a good, good, good conversation. Uh, if you, I don't, I don't know where to point you to go find the Swedish article. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was good. I have the video. I will, uh, again, the stuff, any links I have, I will post, uh, and they're all in our thing, but, but the e-cigarette summit, did you, did you run a panel? Yeah. Um, I so, a yeah. picture of you on the panel. So that's why I use this picture from this <laughs> article. So. <laughs> But you were there for the uh, panel. A really important point I want to make, I think, you know, this year, even a little bit of last year, but especially this year, there's two big conferences that I've been able to go to uh, pretty consistently. Uh, I still haven't made it to GFN in Poland because Poland is very hard to get to for me. Um, but uh, GTNF, which is a largely industry um, type of conference, but of course, all the experts, all the usual faces that we see uh, are participating. A lot of THR folks are on panels. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, uh, e-cigarette summit in DC, both of these conferences featured a consumer voice or a consumer panel uh, in the first day, within the first few hours of the conference, which is really important because we've always been sort of at the end. Uh, not not a lot of consideration has been 
I mean, right. sort of token consideration Here's has been thought. given to the consumer <laughs> perspective in the past. Um, but I think both, you know, conference organizers are, are recognizing that we do have a really important voice here and we need to be featured prominently. And, and I want to give a lot of credit to Amanda from eCigarette Summit and Elise from GTNF for featuring us prominently at the beginning of uh, these conferences. And, and I, as I've said, I think on in both instances, being featured that early gives us an opportunity to do kind of some table setting. Uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, refocus things to 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 pay more attention to consumer need, actual consumer needs. This isn't just about investment. It's just not a. It's not just about big profits or you know what the uh, what everybody's product science is saying or how far along you are in PMTA. It's it's what consumers need. We're the ones that made this whole vapor thing possible. No. And so no. Um, it's really important for, for industry folks to listen to us. Uh, <laughs> and again, you know, lots of credit and, and, and gratitude to the, the conferences for, for featuring us. Here you are at the FDA public listening session. What were you doing there? Um, wow, gee, that was the... Uh, Man, I, there were a couple. I'm I'm getting them all mixed up between the Reagan Udall uh, uh, thing and um and this. <clears throat> I have to go back over my notes to see what I even said. Um, but we did I get the. I believe we have a blog post of your note of your uh, statement. I believe we have a blog post of that. So I'll okay, see if I can yeah. I, that, it, these things happen. It's it's one of those things. If anybody's ever been up on stage, I get up and I say a bunch of things and then immediately forget what I've just done. Um, so that, that happens a lot. Um, yeah. But yes, this was this was a listening session. One of the points I made, of course, was that FDA needs to do this more more frequently. Annually would be great. Quarterly, if they want. I don't know how useful it is quarterly. Um, but you know, the sort of rapid uh, a rapid response to emerge to science that's coming out is something that you know experts have been calling for. Um, you know, we need to be able to to get these ideas out there and discuss them you know, in a forum uh, and, and for FDA to make policy adjustments and, and to the, you know, how the regulations are being implemented so that we can maximize any public health benefit. Um, and, and I think that was kind of the gist of, of what we were saying. Um, so. And this was before uh, they got uh, that um, review back from, um, oh, I'm totally blanking on it, where they I basically got scolded. Been, I, I, I think, think this, this was, was after the Reagan Udall review came okay. out. This was part of, yeah, I think this is sort of part of what FDA uh, listed in some of their bullet points about how that, what their, their response to the Reagan Udall review. Oh, okay. uh, and one of the points, yeah, it's very brief, but more engagement with stakeholders. Uh, and so holding these listening sessions is part of that. I will say credit where credit's due. It does seem like FDA is moving in the direction of promoting more engagement. Uh, one thing I don't have up here is, uh, recently, if you're subscribed to the CP CTP mailing list, um, uh, they recently put something out about uh, their sort of education campaigns and soliciting more feedback about those campaigns. I'm sure uh, we we might we probably need to put up a blog post about this um, to to help people uh, get engaged when we see these education campaigns. You know, FDA has done some okay things. Uh, every try counts was another was something that I think we'd love to see more of uh, just also, you know, widen it to the other, you know, low risk products that are available. Um, 
but yeah, so those those opening up those avenues for for consumer and, and industry engagement uh, is really important. And, and I will say, I think FDA is at least starting to move in the right direction there. And a perfect a t- t- perfect example to what you were saying earlier, if you notice what Lizzie's, t- Lizzie's tweet says, it says last but not least. So we got consumers got tucked in at the end on this one, apparently. So I, I, I will. I'm never going to turn down that the opportunity to get the last word. So that right. Was good. That was a good one. But, but we're there. That's the thing is that consumers yeah, yeah. are getting be able to say something. And speaking of the other one that you do. Uh, the Global Tobacco Nicotine Forum. You were on a panel that was called uh, Putting Consumers First. Oh, I put the quotes in the wrong place. Putting Consumers First panel. <laughs> yeah, it was a good panel. And just so everybody knows, I did not travel to Seoul, South Korea. Um, no. That is a huge, expensive trip. Uh, and uh, it, it's just not something we'd have in the budget. Um, I But I did stay up until, uh, well, I guess my panel started around four in the morning, Eastern or three in the morning, whatever, some ungodly awesome. hour. Um, so I was awake and participated remotely for that. Uh, but again, it was another one. This was at the beginning. This wasn't part of the um, sort of uh, regular uh, show. First, I think there's a kind of there's like three panels uh, that come up. So this was sort of the opening unofficial open so it's the soft opening of the conference okay. uh, and 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 it I mean, at the very very beginning so uh again thanks to <clears throat> everyone at gtnf for for actually putting consumers first there and then we got some we got some mentions in the news this year too uh you were actually on tv at the fox uh 32 chicago news they were doing a bit about the environmental concerns as far as how to get rid of uh uh just, uh, disposable vapes and things like that. And you gave some tips on how you thought you could deal with that. So that was a good thing. I mean, just anytime Kasa can get our face or our name into the news, this is a good thing. And so that's what these are here. Just, I'm going to go through them real quick. We had Danielle. She had a really great quote in uh, Filter Magazine talking about taba- an article about uh, titled Tobacco and Vape Companies Ask Supreme Court to Stop California Flavor Ban. So she had talked about that. And then uh, Alex did a, this is just, this is just a snippet. He did has a whole page op-ed in the Buffalo Times talking about uh, time to quit the harmful narratives around Buffalo, vaping. Buffalo Times, Buffalo Times, not New York Times. Oh, Buffalo, did I say New York? Yeah. Oh. My I brain appreciate, was saying, I appreciate my mouth you was dreaming big. But... <laughs> my brain, my mouth was saying things my brain didn't even hear. Okay. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo Times, sorry, but it's in Buffalo, New York, right? Correct. <laughs> there you go. Maybe that's where my brain went. Um, but I will put a link to that. That was a whole page um, op-ed, which was nice. Uh, Danielle again was quoted in Filter Magazine this year. Uh, John Hopkins called for nicotine common language falls flat. Uh, it was just this uh, skip would probably be able to talk to this. Basically, it was I think if I remember correctly, it was about uh, or no, but this was language people use for products. Terminology. Uh, Oh, how do you survey questions and things? Yeah, this was the one where the John Hopkins is saying we need to have all the science use the same lingo and the same terms and things when we're doing studies, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, you were got a quote in the Oregonian, is that the way to say it? About yep. the statewide ban on flavored tobacco there. So they uh, talked to you about that. Um, the Washington Examiner, that's a pretty uh, good size rag. Um, and that was talking about the anti-vaping command. Uh, what? 
what would you, what would you be laughing about? Um, oh, this is your description of the Washington Examiner, but go on. Oh, pretty big rag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old using that term, I guess. Um, yeah, thank God for Filter Magazine, right? Um, <clears throat> so you got a, a pretty good quote in that talking about, uh, it was on, on LGBT youth and the anti-vaping thing that they wanted to do. And, and you got a really good quote on that. Again, I'm going to share the links. These are all, these were all in our blog too. So you can go back and see that. Um, another filter magazine, uh, this one talked about pricing. Um, and so you got a really good quote on that in filter magazine. And then the Minnesota Daily, this was the, the last one I could find. This one is the smallest one and it seemed so inconsequential, but it's actually really big because to me, I loved seeing this because the Minnesota Daily didn't actually contact us, but they found our website and quoted our call to action from Minnesota. So that was something, I just said Minnesota is such a Midwestern twang that was hysterical, <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> But um, but that was something that it, it seems so inconsequential. But these are things that get me excited because it so it shows that all that work that Alex is doing and all the work that I'm doing getting Alex's work out there is can pay off if we can if we can get news uh, and the press and stuff to be looking at these call to actions and 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 getting they don't have to contact us they can just quote our call to action which is awesome and. Um, I thought that was really great too. So uh, we were just, cause I had a lot of action going around and all over the place uh, this year. And I think uh, we've got another busy year ahead of us too. So. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be busy. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the downside is everything happens very quickly all at once at the beginning of the year. The, the upside is that things get quiet as you know, summer into fall. Um, so, uh, it's really intense up front, but we've got some time to relax, recalibrate and, and gird our loins for 2025, uh, going to, and it's an election year. So things are probably going to get crazy. Um, but, uh, yeah. But not so with I, just crazy in general. What's that? So not, not so crazy with vaping because people are going to be too focused on all the, the other stuff with the election, or do you think that it'll get crazy with the vaping because of the election? Well, no, I think, I mean, there's always that opportunity to appeal to candidates. Um, and, and again, you know, we, we, we should all take those opportunities to get this issue in front of people who are running for office or, or looking for reelection. Uh, and it, it's, it's difficult to present this as something that's going to be a wedge or get a lot of votes, but um, it, it is an important part of the conversation, especially in a year where FDA is going to be coming out with, with, we, we expect them to publish the rule about menthol. Um, so tobacco will be in the conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, it, it could be nuts. I think there could be lots of opportunities. Um, and yeah, so stick with us, you know, it's uh, this is a grind, absolutely a grind. People have been saying this for years. This is this is a marathon, not a sprint, uh, and we're marathoning. So, <laughs> and we're still here. People predicted that we'd be long gone and vaping be all banned, and we are still here, and we are still fighting a good fight. And we have you guys to thank for that and your support. So we appreciate it. Yeah. And on that, you want to take us out with the well, spiel? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna thing. give it give it the old college try here. Uh, <laughs> if you are not a member of Casa, you're doing it wrong. Uh, stop what you're doing right now. Go to casa.org, C-A-S-A-A.org and click that join button. It's free. We don't spam your inbox. 
Uh, we, we take that very seriously. We all, we're, we're really only going to reach out to you when we need you or we've got some important information. And of course, uh, there's every every two weeks, you get an email reminding you that this podcast happened. Uh, and as Kristen noted, there are going to be a lot of links to all the resources that we discussed uh, today. Uh, so take a look at all of that. Use that. Add that to your arsenal of talking points when you talk to friends, family, and lawmakers. Um, also, while you're on our website, we've got merch for sale. We sell T-shirts. They look cool. Danielle put a lot of effort into those designs. Uh, and so you can advocate in style. I need to pick some more shirts up myself. Yeah. As you can tell, I've been wearing the same shirt for several years, <laughs> and everything is a little worse for wear. I wear my clothes until they fall off my body. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, there's that followers, of, of course, on the social medias. We're on the Facebook, Instagram, and the X, formerly known as Twitter. Um, uh, what else? Join your state group. Join your state group. We've got all 50 states represented on Facebook. Uh, join your state group. Share information. Share your positive experiences. Uh, all of those things. They, they not only help us with getting information about where mm -hmm. policy issues are flaring up, but those are that's your space to support other people who are looking for ways to quit smoking uh, by switching to a safer nicotine product. Um, and we post uh, calls to action there right away, things like that. Right. That's like the first place I go to your state group. All the calls to action go out on social media and you get a convenient email in your inbox with mm -hmm. and we've made it super easy for everybody to participate. Uh, all of our pre-written emails are editable and we encourage you to include your story. Personal stories really do matter. Every time I'm, I'm getting kind of down on stuff, I hear somebody come along and talk about how important personal stories are. It really does carry a lot of weight mm -hmm. with your lawmakers. So, um, you know, by all means, so take that opportunity to, to share how switching to vaping or snooze or nicotine pouches or something else, how that helped you, how it helped your friends, all of all of those things are really important. Uh, and of course, it's coming from a real human being. Uh, and that matters to lawmakers. So, yeah, because uh, you're not just some company. Anything? No. Oh, I do want to add. Um, we just joined post. Whatever that is. One of our members said, hey, we need help over on post. So. We Another don't have media site. I, I guess that's what it is. It's kind of it seems like it's kind of like almost a, a Twitter or something. I don't know. It's got a lot of news. It's very news focused. And uh, right. he said, hey, we're all alone. There's nobody. There's a lot of horrible things being said. So. We joined Post, and we'll be trying to trying to uh, correct misinformation on Post, I guess. For uh, all right, guess I'll have to learn about time. that one. So there's that too. So yeah, I know. It's like don't give me more to learn. I can't keep up with what I already have. But all right, so we will be back, I guess, in two weeks. And um, yep. that's it. So hey, everybody. Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Thank you. Yep.